Yeah, so here I am. I'm with Rachel Robinette. Uh, many of you know Rachel and have gotten to know her. Um, we're doing this Sunday. We always do this after Christmas. We have a Transformation Sunday. And this gives us an opportunity to talk with people in our congregation and hear about how Jesus has entered in the, the individual's life and has start his has started his process of making this person new and how he is the difference maker and we always like to emphasize that um, anybody can have a relationship with Jesus it, it just takes repentance and faith it takes believing in and receiving Jesus as your savior and lord we've been talking about that in our true light sermon series and so yeah, but we like to hear from our people because we want we want to celebrate what God has done, is doing, and in a person's in the in the people's lives in our church, and uh, we we like to look forward to what God will do in individual lives in our church. So, Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, we were talking about before we got on here and and hit the hit the record button how this takes courage. Um, it takes courage to share openly about your story uh to to a church full of people right so but so we thank you and i always like to um start with a you know what i'd like to hear from you what was your kind of foundation and background uh growing up as a kid in terms of christianity jesus um, what what view did your parents hold? What view did you hold as you were a kid growing up? So um, let's start there. Before we do, I, I also want to mention, though, too, uh, that you and Eric, you guys have uh, you guys are willing to lead our hospitality team at our church. And I'm really, really excited about that. I think you two are going to do an amazing job. And it's a little, you know, we got this rolling, I, I believe before COVID. So COVID has kind of just, you know, obviously it's changed so many things, including this. And so we're still trying to figure that out and get that off the ground. But um, I, I have a faith that we will, and it will be good when we do. Us too. Us too. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. So, so tell me about your childhood in regards to Jesus. Sure. Okay. So hi, ALCF, by the way. Uh, thanks for having me today. So um, yeah, interestingly, this part always makes me laugh. Um, I think your first question was something like, what were your parents' perception of Jesus Christ? And so my mom grew up Lutheran, and in her early 30s, she met this group of Jewish people who are Messianic Jewish people. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they, I think they took her to church, or they took her to a conference or something. And she just grew up kind of like, um, I guess, nominally Lutheran, but, you yeah. know, and uh, my mom's a history person. So she was like, whoa, this Messiah thing, like these Jewish people actually believe that Jesus was Messiah. This is not the faith that I grew up with. And she looked, I think, at the history of the Bible and was like, whoa, okay, Jesus, you're for real. You're the real deal. And I think she saw uh -huh. power in them and she, all these prophecies for her because she's a history person and everything really lined up for her. And I think it hit her powerfully and she became a Christian at that time. And I think it was the fact that she had always 
she seems to love Jewish folk a lot. Um, and so them being Christians at the same time, I think that combination for her was so powerful. So she became a Christian in her early thirties. My dad grew up Catholic and, you know, he is a wonderfully compassionate person, like a wonderful person. I don't know if it's my perception as a kid or reality, because, you know, we can have our own, what we pick up as a kid and it might not be reality totally, but I just sensed on his part that maybe there was a hesitancy or a little bit of a gap between he and God. And he's always come to church with us, always been supportive of that, always had a belief in God. But I, I sensed a little bit of maybe a hesitancy to accept the grace and forgiveness. And I don't, I couldn't put that into words, but I, I could kind of feel that real or imagined. So yeah. and we, haven't, we haven't had too many, my dad and I haven't had too many super deep faith conversations, I think as a result. So that's how that went. But I did grow up in church um, because my mom had gone from nominal Christianity to kind of the real deal. All I, I think all that connected with me was, well, we got the right faith and Catholics mm-hmm. are kind of over here and these folks are kind of over here, but we got the right belief. So we're cool. <laughs> and I think as a kid, that's sort of what entered my brain. And I think what entered my heart is, um, you got to be a really good girl. You just mm. got to be a really good girl for God to love you. And I'm going to be real honest about that because I see that in myself, um, looking toward God's at God at that age, kind of being like, oh, I, I got to be, I got to be good. I got to be okay. Mm. I can hear my little self kind of saying stuff like that. I uh, no, I appreciate you sharing that. I know um, it's been said that uh, uh, the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. Um, and the difference yeah. is good, good advice is something you have to do um, in order to make your life better. Good news is something that has been done for you. Right. Uh, good news is something you receive. You, you, It's not something that you have to do to make your life better. And so I think there is a big difference there, and it's often subtle, I think, in our minds and hearts. But, you know, the reality is Jesus, he lived that perfect life that we couldn't um, in our place to earn us eternal life, right? And so we simply receive his perfect life um, uh, through repentance and faith, and we receive his death in our place for our imperfect life, right? So, yeah, no, that's – and it seems like a lot of people – um, from our parents' generation that have had like a church background, but were you know nominal kind of uh, a nominal kind of Christian background, it it really does become like you know like this religion of morality. Like I have yeah. to you know live right, do right, and then God will accept me, right? So yeah, I appreciate you you sharing that. Uh, what was so that was was that your perception then? Yeah, that I have I need to be a good girl and and that's gonna help me with God. I knew God was out there. I think in my mind, there was never a time when I didn't believe in God, but I think that was just one step in the journey really for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think in my little world, in my little heart, there were lots of conflicting things and I had some childhood experiences, traumatic ones, abusive ones, um, Mm -hmm. to be frank that, um, will really, you know, send a kid into uh, conflicting views of stuff. So yeah, um, that was in there too. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I wonder how much trauma plays a role into people um, potentially rejecting God or struggling to believe in God or, yeah, I mean, obviously that has to have some some effect, you know, and I, I don't know what that is, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so how did, all right, so if that's your, your background, how did God use experiences, people, um, to, to bring you to a point where you really realized who Jesus was exactly, yeah. um, that he lived, he died for you, that, that you needed to, you know, turn, you know, from your sins and, and, and to, into Jesus, like, um, uh, for forgiveness and salvation, like who, who was influential, what circumstances and then what people. Right. 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 So, um, like I said, I kind of, I knew the, the gospel up here, you know, but I think in middle school into high school, I struggled with some deep things, including, um, some substance abuse to kind of numb some pain. And, uh, I always had this, you can call it a God-shaped hole if you want to. It actually seems to fit really well. But yep. uh, there was a pull toward um, relationships with, with guys to fill that hole. And interestingly, because what I had known was on health, that's what I was attracted to. Boom, like a magnet. And so um, it was as if I had a core belief that I wasn't stable on my own. And mm. so that, um, I, there, there always had to, there was a draw, a quick draw into mm. situations that were actually unsafe because that's what was familiar. And that's not an excuse of why I did those things. It just makes sense. Yeah. So, um, you were anyway. looking for security, right? Like you were security. looking for stability, security, so um, much, mm -hmm. a place to call home, right? Like, uh, Yes, yes, yes. And because there was, um, Beth Moore tells a story, but she said, you know, there was a specific of abuse in my life, but then there was all this like other stuff going on around. And I'm not sure that the other chaos around was any less impactful than those, those specific incidents of abuse and whatnot. I think that yeah. that shifting sands yeah. signals you, oh my goodness, life is insecure and I'm going to grab onto what I can. So right. anyway, that was going on in the background. I yeah. found myself really, you know, this, yeah. um, and from what I could tell needed some help. So I remember going to the prayer room when I was in high school at church and asking for some help. They funneled me into, uh, a girl's Bible study. And while I struggled to connect right away, I was in company of good people who cared about me and sure. man, I know that they prayed and I had not heard testimonies like theirs before. I had not seen peers, my age walking with Christ. And so I'm in the company of this. And then um, I was going to go to a public college with the addiction issues that I had. I'm, I might have ended up just off the map. I don't know if I would have survived it, but I didn't know that. And God pulled the plug on me going to a public college. My parents came to me and said, you know, we, I don't think we can afford this. We can't swing it. And at the same time, um, through my Bible study group, I learned of a little Christian school called Cedarville. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I can do, had no idea what I was getting into, um, but God did. So he funneled me into there and uh, I took those, those unhealthy relationships with me, but God is pounding on my heart, just pounding on it. Um, sermons that I hear, I remember watching the movie, The Passion yeah. and 
the boyfriend I had at the time, who was not a Christian, looked and he was like, wow, that was a great movie. And I looked at him and I was like, you, did you see what I saw? Like, you just going to keep, I didn't have the strength to reserve myself from activities with this person that I knew were wrong. I did not. But pounding on my heart was, dude, you just, did you see what I saw? And, and you want to, you, you didn't have a second thought about anything else that we're right. doing. You didn't, yep. you know, um, so yep. just kept going pounding on my heart and, um, Cedarville, wonderful messages, you know, about purity. I'm meeting professors who are wonderful men looking mm. at me with compassion in their eyes, willing to sit and have coffee with me. Wow. I am meeting people who are going, we don't demand a thing from you. Yeah. And we care about you. We love you. Just want you in our presence. And in the presence of these other relationships, these boyfriends, there was always some reason why we couldn't pursue purity. There was always mm-hmm. some reason. There was a, I pleaded and begged. There was always some reason. Right. Some sins yep. just can't be defeated. Oh, well, it's this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, right. And so the conflict between my head and my heart is growing really real and obvious around me that there are other people who care about me. And I think what I wrote down here was a pretty good summary. What did I say? It was a junior in college and it became really obvious that the person I was with, bless his heart, was not going to change. And there was real love in God and his people waiting for me. Mm. Um, and I was, I was reading the Bible one time and it was a little bit of a scary moment, but I had asked him to deliver me from this sin with guys. And, uh, it was a passage that talked about, um, weak willed women being manipulated by men who knew what to say. And Mm. (laughs) it hit me like a ton Mm. of bricks. And I thought, uh, Without, without Jesus, without God, this path just gets more and more bleak. Just gets more and more bleak. I think this is the reality I'm dealing with. And at that point, it was almost like the whole thing fell apart in my heart and mind. I was like, I don't think I can go back. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle to get free after that point. Oh, sure. At at that time, um, there was something that changed and I saw reality for what it was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. You know, you, you mentioned that God used, uh, he used the preaching of his word, you know, sermons you were hearing, mm-hmm. he used godly people yes. right, in your life. Yeah. He used circumstances, right. You know, like God works through all these avenues to win our hearts to him. Right. Like he, he wants our hearts. Right. And he also works through disillusionment. Um, you became yeah. you became disillusioned with the life you were living. And to me, that is a tremendous grace of God that he allows us to get to a place where we see the emptiness of the way we're living. And often it doesn't feel like a grace in that moment. Sometimes we can even like kind of shake our fist at God. Like, why are you allowing this relationship to fall apart? But he, he wants us to see the emptiness of the path we're on. Because if we continue down that path and, and he allowed you to see it. Yeah. Um, 
the darkness that you were experiencing at that point was probably small potatoes to the eventual darkness that you would eventually get to. So, Mm -hmm. so God worked through all these means and and you said he was knocking on your heart. I mean, this is, this is Jesus in hot pursuit of this (laughs) daughter um, that he loves and wants to bring, you know, fully into his family. And so I, I just think that's powerful. Um, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, so obviously you're trying to fill that void of this longing for security, right? And in love with, with men and with, with addiction. Uh, was, you said there was a whole kind of like sea of chaos, you know, mm-hmm. going on too in the background. Um, you know, were, were there other things like in that sea of chaos or were those like just the predominant things? So talk to me about that. Right. So um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, um, I think substance abuse and unhealthy relationships were the stronghold. They, they were the head of the spear. They were yeah. the very real, um, the very real worst thing. But um, I think actually what needed healing and what I see as a theme in my life now is actually um, I just never knew healthy life and stability. So other things in my life, like the fact that I'd never known how to keep a regular schedule, that I was a little bit emotion or a lot emotionally (laughs) immature that I struggled to, um, Mm. you know, plan life, social skills. It's really interesting because um, therapy and a knowledge of, um, you know, brain science and recovery has been a part of my journey as of recent. And, um, they, they support what the Bible has to say. They kind of mirror each other and they go in a little bit more depth of like, well, when, when the trauma brain looks like this, these are the signs that you can see on a social level an emotional level and a Mm. physical and I had every single one of those, every yeah. single. One. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me, yeah. So the, the, that all played into the chaos, right? You know, sure. you mentioned a couple of things, like even emotional immaturity. You know, your ability, mm-hmm. your inability to really have a schedule, be organized. You know, commit. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that all plays a factor in all those things, right? And makes us just a hot mess. <laughs> you know, like there, there are so many things that are going on. Tell me about like your view of yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, during all that chaos. How did you view yourself? Yes. Oh, sir. So that's in recovery net right now, too. I think that's something that the Lord is so wonderfully working on. Bless him. <laughs> Bless him for reaching into me. I had no awareness of it, Pastor Shane. So there was like, like an iceberg, right? Like you see the tip of the the symptoms, right? I don't know if I gave any thought to what I thought of myself. And so it just got like pushed down there and pushed down there and pushed down there. Yeah. But what the, what the negative core beliefs in me were probably stuff that started little, like I talked about that you had to be good enough thing. And I think there were a lot of negative core beliefs going on in there, which is, well, of course you didn't succeed. You'll never, you've never succeeded before. Why would it be that now? Worth, worth. I was unaware of the fact that because life had gone the way it had gone in my early years, well, 
you're probably not worth having a healthy life. These, these things that got sewn in mm, there. So that's sure. bubbling below the surface. Oh yeah. Kind of now, but that, that's what was in there. Yeah. Yep. And, and often, you know, you know, our behavior is a symptom, you know, of a, of, of a much deeper, you know, much deeper uh, problems and beliefs about ourselves. And yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think, man, if you were abused at, you know, a young, young age, like I could see how that could really in the early on, you know, uh, you know, really form negative self-beliefs. Right. Um Yes. Yeah. And I will, I'll say this too, which is interesting, you know, um, why denial can be so strong sometimes. And I think this, this makes sense to me. It gives me a lot of compassion for folks walking around who may, may need to um, give themselves some grace and talk about some of the things that have happened is because you, you don't want to acknowledge that that happened. You don't want right. to acknowledge, you know, you just want to, to escape it. You just yeah. would, to leave it behind, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Um, and so it, it makes sense why you would be relatively unaware of all the, the stuff going on inside because yeah. it's painful. Proceed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And, and what I've, what I've found, you know, in my own self and talking to other people is that we can ignore that stuff, but it doesn't ignore us, right? Like it <laughs> continues to operate inside of us and it affects us even in an unconscious way. And it, it bubbles out in all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, different emotions, feelings, behaviors, you know, so yeah, it, it can be a dangerous thing. And I, and I think it is short-term uh, gain for long-term pain other, you know, but if we're willing, you know, to go through that really painful process of, of facing a lot of that stuff, then it's, it's short-term pain for your long-term gain, but man, uh, easier said than done. Right. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, like you said, you have compassion for people who, you know, are just aren't facing it or suppressing it or denying it or. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you probably wouldn't have the courage to face what you've faced to this point without the help of other people. Right. Like oh, 100 percent. Yeah, therapists and, and, mm -hmm. and people that have been good to you that can help you sort this all out. Right. Oh, yeah. So talk to me about that. How essential has that been for you? Woo! It's meant the world. It has meant the world. Um, so to give a snapshot, um, cause I don't know if it'll make sense to folks unless we, we give a little backstory, but I'll make it quick. So, um, I carried, I think I carried some of those. I know I carried some of those core beliefs into my marriage with Eric, which was 100% ordained by God. I know it. I, I have seen the light of Jesus in Eric since I met him and he has been one, maybe the most wonderful person in my life ever. Mm. And so um, he's been a constant light to me. And when I met him, there was a night and day that that stark night and day difference between the people that I had settled for. And that's not trying to demean their worth, but the people that I had yoked myself to yeah. and Eric, yeah. um, just different. Oh, my goodness. So different. Like yeah. the Holy Spirit, it, the Holy Spirit yeah. said, um, there was no doubt about that. And without Christ, I would not even have wanted that. Yeah. That was awoken by that whole process. Yeah. So, um, you know, we met, dated, were married. I took into that um, 
I think some negative core beliefs. And I think inside of my little self, still looking for that security in some ways, still looking for, um, still looking for mom, for dad, for things that were past that I really wanted to make right, you know, a sure. kind of a driving force. So I had counselors, which were wonderful people, m- mentors that carried me through. I still felt like I was pressing down emotional stuff, but not really yeah. realizing it. And yeah. that came to a head in my marriage when um, we were about seven years in, I was experiencing some success at work, which blew up pride and insecurity in me, which is a tangent bike of happiness. (laughs) So, and Eric was really busy at work and uh, we didn't quite know how to work out a lot of what we had going on. And the pressure was too much. I, um, I'll be so honest. What I said to God was, why am I so miserable again? Mm. You are not fair. I think my exact words, this is going to be uh, yeah. sensitive for some people, but I'll say it for the sake yeah. of. No, this is good. Yep. So I, I shook my fist in the face of God, having a relationship with him this time yeah. and said to him what the prodigal son said, which is you're holding out on me. I think I said to him, I would never treat you this way. If you mm-hmm. can imagine a person saying that to God. Yeah, no, yeah, for real. I would not treat you this way. Why are you treating me this way? Um, Mm -hmm. And I cracked Mm -hmm. and left. And there was a slow seep that started about a year before where some of those addictive behaviors kicked back up. And for that past year before I left my marriage, we're starting to seep back in. And the thing about addiction is that because you've used fantasy, this is going to be a little, you know, mm-hmm. psychology here, but because you've used fantasy to deal with life thus far, you know, floating up here, yeah. um, it becomes a little easier to just keep detaching from life and, and medicating and uh, shielding yourself with a fantasy yeah. world. And then, you know, what you what happens up here manifests out there. Yep. So I left and um, convinced that I could make a better life for myself. It is so yeah in line with the prodigal son story. It's sure. uh, it's a little hard to believe. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just want want to interject here. Like, all right. So would you say you know before um, you know when you said you left, you left your marriage, right? And, I did. And, and before that happened, would you say that Jesus, you know, you believed in him as your, as your savior? You said you had yes. a relationship with him, right? Like, yes. Yeah. I struggled with a lot of doubts. I struggled with a lot of darkness, all true. And yes. I think I struggled with a lot of lies that I straight up didn't renounce. Yes. So um, I think this is key for people to understand because, you know, um, some people can have the faulty idea that, all right, I'm going to trust, you know, Jesus in my, as my savior, that he died for my sins and I'm forgiven. And now I can have a relationship with him. Um, some people believe or have been told that then life just uh, becomes happily ever after. Right. Um, and the reality is, and what, you know, the new Testament tells us that, yes, when we make that decision, we do become a new creation. And, and what this means is that in our deep, the deepest part of us um, is, is new, right? Like we, we have been given a new heart. And so then when we sin, we are no longer acting in accordance with our truest self, right? 
before when we didn't have the new heart through faith in Jesus, we were just acting in accordance with who we truly were at our core, right? Like we are sinful, but now we have this new heart. But here's the thing, even though we're a new identity and we have this new heart, we still have these old ways of thinking and behaving and feeling that must be renewed and brought into alignment with this new true identity at the core of who we are. And so you're describing that, right? Um, You're describing like that's what happened, right? Um, I am 100% describing that. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. And so you, you get to this place where you leave your marriage. Um, um, so, so obviously that had to be just uh, just a crazy time for you, uh, you know, and for Eric. Um, yeah. So you're together now. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> obviously. Um, and you guys are an amazing couple, by the way, together. Um, and, and I would vouch for Eric for sure. He's an amazing guy. Um yeah, so tell me about the events that led to this reconciliation and restoration. Well, I think you I think you asked a question that I rabbit trailed on and forgive me, I'm sorry. It was how did how did people help you back and, to, and make yeah. this quantum leap back? So um I'm just gonna <clears throat> I can describe this more at another time if there's ever an opportunity, probably specific with ladies in the room, because sure. I think it applies to a lot of us. But um Suffice it to say, all of the addictions that I had mentioned prior got worse. So I had told myself, I won't cross this line, this line, and this line. And there was no power to keep those things in check. Mm. So uh, I just watched myself spiral for about 15 months. And... um, at that point, there were some really scary thoughts and urges I was battling with. Mm. And um, I reached out to Eric, the person that I knew would speak truth and grace to me. Wow. And it, it uh, saved my life. Mm-hmm. Straight up saved my life. Yeah. Um, and began me on a journey where um, I wished at that point I was ready to just to go back and everything. And there were some things that happened first, but um, so the people who brought me back, I was invited back to church. I went, um, I turned to a lady who seemed very open-hearted near me and she was just unusually fiery for Jesus. And I exploded out with my story and I said, this is what I'm dealing with, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, oh, you know, me too. That was my story. Me too. Wow. You want to have some coffee sometime? Her name was Betty. Betty. Mm. And Betty walked up out of the pit with me. Wow. And um, I remember calling her one time and going, Betty, I'm about to make a decision that I, 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 I feel the urge. I feel it knocking. And I, 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 I don't know what to do. And she said, Want me to come over? I'll be there. I'll be there in five minutes. You want me to, you want me to, why don't you just quick write a note uh, to go ahead and end this conversation with this person since you don't trust your phone and I will deliver it. I got it. She showed up at 11 at night to cut off a thing that was going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. And so a few months later, I decide I, I am unsure, I'm fearful, but I know that I, 
I need to re-engage with my marriage. And so Eric randomly, randomly calls a, a couple of marriage counselors. That's all he knows about them. Yeah. Okay? And they're a husband, not, not a husband and wife. They're a, a man and woman couple. We make an appointment with her, which is unusual yep. because he's unavailable. And I look at her unsure if all this is going to work. And I say, can, can this happen? And she says, well, first of all, I'm a specialist in addiction. So mm. second of all, God healed my marriage in 60 days. And I don't have a formula for you, but I know God works. Wow. And I needed that from her. It, yeah. I needed that from her. And so we walked up out of the pit together. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that's been a four-year relationship with her yeah. to understand yeah. this thing. Um, so we started to do that. And Eric just being there. And he made friends that were church friends who were so non-judgmental welcomed yeah. me back with open arms they didn't, they didn't know me they didn't know me from adam right nope. and here i am showing up yeah right <laughs> life in the summer of 2017 or whatever it is and they are with open arms they are with wow. open arms. so yes and then comes um celebrate recovery a 12-step program where i made more friends Yes. Uh, again, open arms, people who get it, and then abundant life, abundant mm. life fellowship, more of mm. the same, more of the yeah. same. Wow. So cool. Um, again, you know, like God working through people, his <laughs> people to love you, uh, to get in the pit with you and to walk out of it with you. And I think, um, yeah, I, I know for Eric, when he shared, um, not too, you know, a few months back, we did the same thing with Eric, your husband, and he talked about essentially his life group at, uh, you know, his former church where he, where he was living that was uh, really instrumental in this period of, uh, you know, 15 months where, you know, he was pretty much waiting on you and hoping and praying that uh, things could be restored and reconciled. So, yeah, and how awesome that uh, that therapist gave you just the the ray of hope that you needed, you know, like and and how raw and real she was with you too. Like, I don't have a magic formula, and so I don't know how this is going to go for you. But here's what I do know: like Jesus, you know, changed my marriage; he can change yours, you know. Like, so just yeah, and and we need that hope. We need hope um, to yeah. to to address some really difficult things right and work for reconciliation so it's fantastic how would you say and, and we'll wrap up with this i i could talk to you so sorry <laughs> I, no you're doing you you have done fantastic i feel like i you know it's the same thing with eric i feel like i could just sit and talk with you guys for hours and hours and ask so many questions because there's so many questions that are swirling around in my brain and so uh maybe we'll have the opportunity to to do that at some point but um how would you say like currently and you've 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 um hint, hinted at some of this but uh how is god currently like shaping you and eric in your marriage and yeah okay so i, I wrote a couple things down because it's so okay if i can just there's a psalm i was kind of led to this morning yeah i'll just read from it and then give a few details okay I waited patiently, Psalm 40, by the way. 
I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground, steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise for our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Mm, mm. And so, and oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. So what I see God doing now is pinpointing every area of weakness that the enemy used as a sounding drum in my ear to turn and glorify himself. And he's doing it in me. He's doing it in the way that I think he's doing it um, in the way that I relate to Eric in my marriage. But um, I could spend all day talking about how he's in situations that overcame me in the past and is now showing me the truth of them, setting me on top of them. And if I am willing to walk forward with him, faith over fear, will turn those situations one after another. I mean, the chief lie that was told to me was God is not good, right? He's not good. Mm. Um, Or he's not good to you. Yeah. Um, And so one of the Psalms that God has given me and backed up with so many situations in my life is um, Psalm 34. And it it is the goodness of God Psalm. Oh, come Mm. and take, see how, see the goodness of the Lord, come and taste it. Mm. And, um, he has, he's restoring my thinking in that way. Yeah. Restoring my thinking. So yeah. as we talked about the the shame beliefs, the doubts, um, which one of your questions was, have you, you know, walked through a season where you've, you know, walked through doubts? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hopefully yeah. that's encouragement to anybody listening. Yeah. Because what God is doing now is uh, speaking to those doubts in my mind, in my experience. So, um, and taking things that I was ashamed of, you know, um, in middle school, I did um, a lot of art and people kind of made fun of it at the time. And I put it away for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to keep it kind of silent. And so God kind of pulled it out and he used Eric to encourage me. He has had me meet people who are artists, just actually just give him, I met a guy who gave me a set of paints like here, this is, I got this. And and so, you know, here you go. And he gave me, Oh, $300 worth of paints for free. Wow. Cool. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. So for me, um, he is helping me change my thinking. Yeah. Renew my thoughts um so much and by repeating repeating who he is and if i'm willing to take that step of faith it's met a hundredfold by his absolutely yeah absolutely yeah but it's a partnership that's what you're saying right like this is a partnership like um as as he renews us you know we we partner with him and and there are steps that we need to take in that renewal process um he does the heavy lifting of course but we have a part to play um yeah this is good what would you say let's end with this what would you say to a person that might be listening to this who's like in the pit of despair that maybe they're um in the in the you know chains of addiction or maybe their their marriage is uh, has has just like fallen apart or is on the verge of just like disintegrating and what would you say to that person mm-hmm. 
Um, so first of all, talk to God, whether you think he's listening or not. Okay. I can tell you that even when it feels like there's no way that he possibly hears, um, that is okay. And also you can mm. say things to him that you think you can't say. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee it. Um, you can say things to him that are very uncomfortable and that you think you should never say to him. Right. You can say those things. And um, then I would say there will be somebody in your life. I can pray for it as soon as I get off of here, but there will be somebody in your life that um, you see a light in a genuine light that you can resonate with. I would encourage you somebody of the same gender <laughs> as sure. we say in recovery, um, find that person, you know, out, out yourself. If you, if you so speak, understand they got stuff. So it's yeah. not like, it's not like you are so far below and they're so far above. Just right. throw that out. Yeah. Um, but find that person and see if you can't have a conversation with them where they can help you and they can share some light and they can sort of help guide you into a place, just hear you out. Carrying that burden alone is just really difficult, uh, impossible, really. Yeah. So yeah. Do, do that. So good. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I am so excited about the story that God's writing in your life. And I, I truly look forward to how he'll continue to use um, what you've been through uh, for other people's freedom. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much. We love you. We love you and Eric so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you guys so yeah. much. And can we just praise Jesus? Yes. For how awesome and good he is and how faithful he is to us, even when we are so unfaithful, right? Like he yes. continues to pursue us. So, so praise God uh, for him. Um, yeah. Why don't I just pray real quick? I'll pray us out. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Rachel. Thank you for the story that you're writing in her. Lord, I pray that if there are people listening that are really in, in the pit, that they would see this as a ray of hope. Um, that you would reach down and deliver them from the chains that have them bound. Uh, We pray that you would shine your light through people, your people, to come alongside of them and to lift them up. Lord, we pray for Rachel and Eric that you continue to restore and make um, all things in their life new. Thank you that you are a God that is all about reconciliation and restoration and renewal. And thank you that you can give us the power uh, to see that happen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.